Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here today to continue our Expectations series. And uh, joining me today is Kerry Stevenson of the Fire Zone. Kerry Stevenson, how you doing? Doing all right, man. Glad to be on with you. Um, you know, been a long-time listener, so I'm um, happy to be on. Really appreciate you. Folks out there, if you haven't checked out the Fire Zone, great show out there with Denard Melton, Kerry, and uh, Michael Crawford. And uh, all great people who... Really love to talk football on a very detailed level. I highly recommend you give the show a uh, a chance uh, on Twitter. Kerry, what's your? Uh, so it's um, actually it's two shows. It's uh, um, Fire Zone is Denard Melton and uh, Michael Crawford, 
And then it's uh, Deep Cover, at Deep Cover Pod. Uh, that was, that's me, Mike Crawford, and Chris Aguilera. So t- um, two shows, yeah. Okay, Chris is terrific yeah. too, friend of the show. Really oh, appreciated yeah. having him on. Uh, Carrie, what's your own Twitter handle? Uh, that's at Carrie1313. All right. Make sure you give him a follow. Uh, We're going to talk about two players today, and I'll remind people of the format here. Uh, Disparate players, uh, two different position groups. The idea is to get a number of analysts in to opine on their position on some of their favorite players and also uh, on different position groups. So we're getting a lot of cross-pollination there rather than just having one person do a position group show and talk about everybody. So the two players we're going to talk about today, Adafi Owe and Nick Boyle, uh, both pretty darn significant players in terms of uh, what they'll do for the Ravens this year. But let's start with Adafi Owe. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so um, if we're just starting with um, who he was uh, in 2021, um, just an overwhelming success. Um, you know, a guy came in, played 56% of the defensive snaps, I thought he showed high-level flashes as a pass rusher and as a run defender. Um, has some things he needs to iron out um, technically, but I, I thought you know 2021 was a, a, a huge success. Yeah, terrific year. I would agree uh, pretty much on all counts. I mean, there are things he can do better, particularly as a pass rusher to become a more polished player. But, uh, you know, the big fear was on draft night that our first-round draft pick or one of them had gone to a player with zero sacks in his final year in college, he turned in a five sack year and he was more impressive than that as a pass rusher, I think, in terms of, of how much pressure he delivered and, and what he really added to the Ravens rush schemes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought his effort level and his athleticism um, really jumped out and it, and it really kind of spurred his ability to rush the passer. Like you said, there's things technically he has to get better at. Um, but that that foundation of um, his kind of tenacity and also his athletic gifts really helped him as a pass rusher. And I thought as a run defender, I, I think the sneaky thing about him as a prospect, he was a rugged run defender at, at Penn State. Now, he didn't always set the best edge or do some of the things technically that you want to see, but um I thought that really helped this floor. And I know he's a guy that, you know, obviously has zero sacks as a, um, um, his last collegiate year. Uh, but I thought that his, um, his run defense to me is what helped him, um, to me be less of a bust potential guy as maybe some others would have thought. Uh, Eric DaCosta really pointed that out too, as he thought his, his floor as a run defender was very high and the Ravens value that of course. And, uh, and he did not disappoint on that turned in what I think most would say was the biggest run defense play of the entire year. When he, when he uh, stripped the ball from Clyde Edwards Hilaire in week three, right? Week three against the yeah, chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a game winning play. The, the, the Ravens did have to convert a fourth down still after that, but it was, uh, that was really the play that, uh, that turned it from a win to a loss. Uh, a lot of quickness, I thought, put to use very well by Martindale. Uh, very few players have the kind of ability to uh, sprint multiple gaps on a stunt play like he does. Uh, really very, very few. And and uh, he showed a, a better get-off than I think we saw in his senior year at Penn State in terms of his ability to get into the opposing player, uh, which is a good first step, at, certainly as a pass rough, a great first Great first step is very hard to do without as a pass rusher. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's funny 
with these pass rushers coming in, a lot of the times when you're looking at these guys as prospects, they're, they usually have one or two flavors, and then you got to kind of figure out how much you can deal with the the lack of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, maybe even more than Neapolitan as far as uh, flavors with this guy. He's one of those like sonic mash together things where they throw about five, four or five different things into one little ice cream thing. He's got it, man. Burst, bend, power, all of those things. He flashes all of it. Now, you know, of course, he's going to have to get more refined and add more tools to that toolbox. But it's kind of remarkable to think that they got a guy this late in the draft that has all of these tools. Yeah, great, great set of athletic gifts like no one virtually who's ever played in the NFL in terms of his combination of of size, speed, power, length, all all those things. Uh, Remarkable player. And when you get a player like that and you're a defensive coordinator, I think Wink made excellent use of his quickness, good use of his gifts in general last year. But there are still so many other things and other ways in which he contributes that add to an upside to him. And he doesn't have to be there yet, but in terms of layering on what he can do, there's two major components I have for goals for this year that I really want to talk about. And the first is that he can take some Sam linebacker reps, because I think if they, if they don't start with Bowser fully repped up and Dalen Hayes, maybe is not a hundred percent of what they hope he'll be. And and he might be, he might be terrific. Um, They're going to need another guy to play on that Sam side and, and eat up some snaps. And and, sorry, Owe is the obvious uh, candidate to do so. He's, he's, he certainly has all the speed necessary to be a good coverage linebacker. Oh, for sure. And I think that's going to be vitally important. You know, you're looking at last year, the rotation with um, Justin Houston being the other guy that got a, a large majority of snaps, you know, mm-hmm. a three-man kind of combination. Well, right now he's not on the roster. So, you know, we anticipate we have some inklings that maybe he will be, yeah. but maybe he's not. And so, like you said, Owe is going to have to be a guy that that um, chips in there to eat up some of those snaps. Um, I like Dalen Hayes a lot. I think he's a guy that sneakily can can – give you some Sam snaps. I, I remember watching him on film um, in coverage, one play carry a, line, a, a tight end 20 yards down the seam and break up a ball. So he's sneaky, got that, that ability too. But um, when you look at just the physical gifts of an O-way, and like you said, the way he was utilized last year, it gives you some glimpses of what could be possible at that Sam uh, linebacker position. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it as well. And if Houston does come back, for example, I mean, he's a pure rush linebacker. Jalen Ferguson, pure rush linebacker. You don't want him dropping to coverage. So right. the, the Ravens have some options on that side. It's it's on the Sam side that I'm always a little worried. And I also, you know, really loved what Wink did that on obvious passing downs, he liked to have two guys who could drop to cover on the field. He'd push his other guys. Uh, Houston was really would stay wide, but a guy like Ferguson or certainly McPhee in the past. And uh, there've been others uh, like a, uh, uh, Jod Ward. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah. I'm at that age where I forget names a lot. But they, they they bump to the inside and they're and they're comfortable playing there. They still get a lot of value from them as pass rushers. But uh, having having flexible cover guys on the outside really helped Wink rotate coverages and fool opposing offenses in terms of of what they were trying to accomplish. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and like you say, you need multiple guys that have that flexibility to be able to do that because. We have Bowser, who's coming off an injury himself, so we don't even know how ready he's going to be, um, you know, from 
the first week on to really take on a, a majority kind of role. So, um, you know, definitely going to be important that he can chip in uh, at Sam and be able to play high leverage snaps. Mm-hmm. I've got one other thing I want to get to for OA about, I mean, I've got other things as well, but, but uh, in terms of, uh, of, a, of a big developmental step that I'd like to see this year, I didn't see him really um, have a pass rush plan that often. I know that's kind of the in vogue way to say this, but what I'm basically just talking about is dictate first contact. He's got tremendous first step. He's got length. You know, he's got that burst off the ball that, we, that, that you'd all hope for. Um, all he has to do is make one move and that left tackle that's opposite him is going to overcommit to that move no no player he ever faces in the nfl will be as good an athlete uh playing left tackle as he is as an outside linebacker it's just a fact of life there's hardly anybody athletically who's on his level period but certainly uh, none that play left tackle and and he, you know, those moves that they make will be an overcommitment because of his outstanding athleticism. So if his first move is to the outside, they're going to overcommit with a broader step often to the outside. If he makes contact with one with one particular shoulder, they're going to overcommit to that and try and fight through and back against that move. Uh, Euro steps, he doesn't even have to touch the other guy. But if he Euro steps, they, they're going to overreact probably to that as well. And it, it, all of those are opportunities for Adafi Owe to give a one-two move to an opponent that I think is going to help him get get home a lot more often. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's um, one of my hopes for him as well. You want to see those technique wins. He's going to win just off of being more athletic than the guy in front of him. And you're going to see sacks and turnovers and things of that nature just based off of that. But you want to see those wins from counters. You want to see the wins with hand usage. You want to see wins where he clearly recognized that, um, you know, a tackle was oversetting and he's able to, uh, you know, hit a quick inside move off of that. So those are, those are the things you want to see from him in year two. And I think just based off of some of the conversation last year when he was, um, when he had media availability, and just based off of how the vets um, talked about him last year, I think he's a guy that works hard, and I think he's a guy that's going to listen to the advice of, of vets. So I, I would be shocked if he didn't come in with a very intentional developmental plan mm-hmm. and you know, maybe with some of the media availability that happens um, when we get to training camp, you'll hear some of those plans as to you know, how he was working on getting better technically. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I was kind of hoping for, but I don't think it's practical given the offseason he's had. And I said he's had recovering from shoulder surgery. And obviously that limits some of the things you could do. Mostly you're going to be focused on the rehab. You're not going to be focused as much on positional coaching. You look at this team. Lamar Jackson is the poster child for positional coaching in terms of what you can gain from that uh, by going out, working with your own gurus to improve your own craft. Uh, offensive linemen do it a fair amount. You'd like to, you know, I wish I would hear about them doing it more, but I know they go to a lot of Charles Bentley's camp is big and others, right. uh, you know, to, to, to get knowing them and, and I, to, to, uh, you just get better technical proficiency at what they do. But Adafi is another guy, you know, he wouldn't have to work so long, but if he could spend, uh, you know, um, time with Terrell Suggs or time with other, uh, you know, recently retired, relatable veterans, or it could be older guys who just have been teaching the same thing for 20 years. Either one I think would work for him trying to get better at his craft. I, I don't know who has a camp out there like Deion Sanders does for corners, but uh, it should exist. Justin Houston, 
from last year's camp seemed to, like he would be a pretty good teacher. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's a guy, um, former Falcons defensive end, I think Chuck Smith does um, some camp. So, the, you know, that would be a, a nice guy he could link up with. Anybody that could, um, you know, just give him the, the, the finer nuances and, you know, give him an idea um, you know, what he's looking for in a tackle. Because like you said, with his athleticism, there's certain things that are just on the table um, anyway, just because of how explosive he is. You know, he's just going to be – he's going to be uh, blocked a certain way. And so if he can learn – even if it's just one counter, like you said, just one counter off of off of the speed rush, you know, just being able to fill a, a – um, you know, fill an offensive lineman's body and, and understanding leverage and how to counter – it would just just be huge for him. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that struck me in looking at tape, and, and uh, uh, you see this a lot of places, but, but in, in his case, he had great ability to, to cross the face of the tackle this year as well. Good ability to hit that guard first. And I, I, I love it under a lot of circumstances, but I love it even more when there's a length disparity between him and the guard that he can really take advantage of. And, and a lot of guards aren't 33 inches, uh, you know, th- that would, that would be contending with him. And not only that, Owe is usually hitting them with one arm. So he's doing the old one arm longer than two, while a guard is going to be trying to trying to make sure they keeps him in front of him, but what by using both hands. So there's a natural length advantage that comes from, from that kind of a technique. But then you, you also have the fact that Owe is just much longer than other human beings at, what, 34 and a half inches or whatever he is. And, <laughs> and uh, it almost seems unfair. He's longer than most tackles, but he, but he certainly is, uh, is, is going to have a big length advantage on a guard. And by, by taking that extra gap of movement, he also has an opportunity to get his arm extended, whereas the tackle right across from him, depending on how each gets off at the snap, might actually get his hands on the body first before Oway can do that uh, because the length is not quite as important on the straight-up player. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I've seen plays where he just hits that quick euro and he doesn't even need any of that. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, the guys in cement, once <laughs> he makes that quick just basketball movement, and that's what's so impressive about this guy is he doing so much of this without – and you can tell that the technical things aren't quite there yet, and some of it is just naturally instinctive kind of stuff he's doing, but it doesn't really feel like it's necessarily that detailed plan as of yet. And so it's scary to think about what it's going to be like when that, that plan kind of um, you know gets up to speed. Yeah. There's, there's something we learned in operations research. I don't know how, how relevant this is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, <laughs> when, when, you, when, you're, when you're going through and you're trying to find the most efficient way to do something, you determine workarounds that fit your own skill set. And, and they're, they're known as tribal processes. Okay. It's, it's like you, you, didn't, you didn't have anything... Uh, that told you, no book that told you this is the way, but, but you, you kind of figure it out for your own abilities. And one of the things we, we were really taught is that those tribal processes are often, they're setting you back. They're not, they're not taking you to the furthest uh, point along the line. And so, you know, I, I, he could be really terrific. There's, there's a lot of upside uh, in my mind. He's one of the most exciting Ravens coming into the season. Um, Peter King last year had uh, uh, Justin Matabike as his dark horse candidate to be defensive rookie of the year. This would be my guy this year. 
based on the on the Peter King formula of <laughs> pick a good defensive team, pick a second year player, you know, do all those things. Adafi yeah. Elway, in terms of of uh, where he is right now, I think would be a great dark horse for that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at it. If he can get to sixtieth percent of the snaps, and you know, he and, and he mix in some of those technical wins with the physical wins, he's just going to get. You know, we're talking about a guy that's going that could flirt with double digit sacks and huge big plays. So uh, that's easy to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some other things. One of the things I really liked from him last year was occasionally when he was used as a route disruptor at the line of scrimmage. Now, he, he if it would typically happen under two circumstances. One is if they actually moved outside to a flex tight end, which they did maybe once or twice. But more likely, it's he's over an in-line tight end where they might have one on each side uh, that, that he takes a disruptive hit on that player. And in some ways, that actually helped him deliver a better pass rush route because it allows the line to resolve itself in some ways where there may be an open gap. And he's quick enough to take advantage of that or to quickly assimilate that information and try to take a route to the quarterback. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well, and I agree on both parts. Um, it, it, it's you know really a win-win situation where um, you know there's a lot of athletic tight ends, and you know middle of the field we still have some issues. So if you can uh, affect the tight end in that way, and like you said, get the offensive line to kind of declare itself a little bit, and then let him kind of find his gap uh, between that, then you know that's that's a win-win situation in my book. How about him as a tackler? Are you comfortable with exactly where he is right now? You want him to improve a little bit? I, I, the one thing I saw was that he had a he had a little bit of trouble as the year went on, making tackles at the same rate. And I, there's different services for this, of course. And I'll tell you, PFF had a lot of backloaded tack backloaded missed tackles, where he only missed like one for the first eleven games. Now I'm, not, I'm I may not have that exactly right, but uh, through. Much of the season, he'd hardly missed any tackles. Then he had some troubles towards the end. Yeah, I didn't really see any issues from um, what I watched. I did notice that late that he probably missed, you know, let a few get away from him. But nothing glaring from me that that I necessarily have uh, any issues with, I would say. Yeah, the the, the shoulder injury, um, and, and was there work actually done on both shoulders? And by the end of the season, did he have actually a, a something with each shoulder that was given him or still only one shoulder? I thought I saw something um, for that initially, but then I think when I went back, it was just the one shoulder, at least that I could see that, you know, he had work on. That's, that's good news. I mean, hopefully the, hopefully whatever was wrong with the other shoulder wasn't much anyway. And, but it it would kind of make sense that if it was something that was going on during the season, it was a little injury that became a big injury that uh, that could certainly have affected his tackle toward towards the end of the year. Well, in any case, that's one of my big goals for him is to show no sign of the shoulder injury that required surgery last year and uh, and obviously to come back. Health is important for all players. In terms of Adafi Owe, to me, uh, I hope it does not cost him any part of this year developmentally. I hope he, he's able to start camp, uh, do some of the things both in practice and in the preseason uh, that will help him take that next step. Yeah, for sure. Because, again, and that was something I – I really didn't think about as much coming in, but, you know, everything sounds great on Bowser coming into this situation, but um, you just never know. Even if it's just him having to start slowly to to begin the season, uh, that's going to put a huge uh, amount of kind of pressure on 
own way to be that guy to be able to stand up and maybe be the guy early on that has to play in that 70 to 75 percent snap range while Bowser is kind of, uh, you know, feeling his way out, working his way back up. So, um, yeah, definitely it's going to be vitally important that, that he's healthy. Right. All right, I, I'm going to move on, and we'll do good and great here. And I, I, your pick, I'll go first on the good, and then you can just respond to it. Okay, good? that works. Yeah. All right. So for me, a good year, and I, I was pretty measured in these because I, I got to have a great category above this. But what I really would like to see is he returns to the player he was in 2021 by sometime early in the season. So I'm not even saying by the opener he has to be that same player. There might be a ramp up period. He may have to start later. He may not be able to play as many snaps off the right off the right off the uh, get-go, but if he's there by early in the season um, without consideration yet for improvement in play or layering of more roles, meaning he doesn't necessarily have to become a Sam linebacker right away, doesn't have to become a Sam linebacker at all fact, for, for, to be good for the whole season. Um, it, it, I think that would still be a good result because because there wouldn't be anything that was like a, a more permanent setback from him, and I think that's that's – a great first place to start with somebody who's coming off an injury to, to begin with. Uh, but they would be essentially conceding the year developmentally to the injury and the surgery. Gotcha. I'm right there with you. Um, part of it for me is kind of snap percentage thing. I think he was at 56 last mm-hmm. year. I would love to see him get into that, um, mid six sixty range that is, you know, kind of 65 ish percent of the snaps. Um, also as far as a good year, maybe, uh, moderate statistical gains. And then also, uh, just a noticeable gains in, in terms of his fundamentals where we see, um, you know, more, um, stronger use of the hands. We, we see, you know, him not letting plays get outside of him um, as an edge setter. Um, and just some of those, uh, you know, technical wins again that, you know, I, I want to see from him. Yeah. Yeah. I like turning that, uh, turning that tackle in and just the way he wants having control of that torque in that relationship, right. uh, would, would be great to see on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, you're, I want to make sure, cause sometimes you, there are different services that are used. If you go to pro football reference, they give you a percentage of snaps only in the games that he played. He played 15 games. So I thought that might be the 56% you're talking about, but no, he's, uh, he, that's that's his fifteen. That's his full season percentage of snaps. And so, if he just played the last two games, he'd get into those mid sixties. So, oh I'm, okay, I'll All be right. ha- I'll be happy with that. That's uh, that oh, would yeah. do it for me. If he played seventeen <laughs> games. Yeah. All right, let's move on. I'll talk about a great year, and let's see what I have for that. Takes a step forward as a pass rusher with great secondary moves. And I hear I, I'm not picky about how, and it could be only one this year. And he'll develop more later, but uh, whether it's counters, uh, additional good hand play, a new move, new usage uh, by the defensive coordinator. I mean, they're somehow trying different over moves for him. They're dropping him off the line of scrimmage and letting him pick his gap like they did with Judon or or Bowser at times. It could be a lot of different things that gets him there. I think the secondary moves are the best chance for one-on-one wins. Even more than learning a new move, I'd say, is is just having that pass rush plan, having a one-two to go to because the you know opponents will overreact to them. And then the other thing is is to become an effective coverage outside linebacker who's at least ready for a Sam role if needed, or ready to just be that second coverage linebacker on the field if you want to drop a guy into the low zone and rush somebody like a safety from a different gap. 
Yeah, I like that. Um, mine's were that I want to see him kind of jump into that um, high 60s to 70% uh, range as far as the snaps. Um, and I think he has the ability uh, to jump into that top 20 range as far as QB hits and, and, and pressures. And I think if he's able to combine those two things, you're talking about a guy that's going to push for a double-digit sacks. Um, and then, uh, like you said, from a coverage standpoint, just be someone that, um, you know, we're not asking them to be Bowser because, I mean, Bowser is outstanding at it mm-hmm. as far as a coverage guy. But um, at the very least, if he could be um, respectable in that in, in that. Mm-hmm aspect that would be a, a, a great year for me yeah that's uh that's good it sounds like we're pretty much in lockstep like that i will say you know if he has a good pass rush year meaning if he's really producing additional one-on-one pressure himself he's going to finish much more this year with the raven secondary being what it is yes. uh, unless they really just choke on it uh, which would be, it's, it's hard for me to imagine. I think that we'll see how they play with the inside linebackers. We'll see how they how much they take them off the field to really create a, a an imposing secondary. Uh, if they do, you know, we may see a lot uh, more four man rush. So he might be going straight up on a tackle a lot. A uh, little bit of twisting, you know, will be an element of deception that's still there. But when when you have twisting, you usually don't have blitzing. And, uh, you know, you, you'd probably be playing a lot less of the dropping players from the line of scrimmage to coverage game. You'd be rushing your front four as your four a fair amount. And if if they do that and the, and the secondary has the kind of year I think they're capable of, uh, could be a big year for, for Adafi Owe in terms of personal statistics. Oh, yeah. And that's a good point that you brought up with the um, secondary as. I mean, I, I struggle to find a situation where you – when you look at safety, the amount of range they gain from one year to the next is just massive. Like mm-hmm. it, it's almost like it's just a totally different football team when you look at the the amount of range they have now. So that that's a huge factor, um, I, I think, in his uh, potential as a pass rusher um, this coming year. An unbelievable gift to have two free safeties on your roster yeah. who really are, are pure free safeties. And they're both of them, Williams and Hamilton, both amazing readers who play faster than their speed. I mean, Hamilton, it's important that he plays faster than speed. Marcus Williams, also a terrific reader, plays faster than speed, and he's a fast guy. So, you know, it's uh, it's very exciting right. to have those two, and, and uh, I can't wait. Let's move on. Talk a little bit about Nick Boyle. So, like Ronnie Stanley, he's returning from a year and a half of injury effectively. And I'm not talking about those 94 snaps uh, they had on the field last year. Cause that wasn't him. I mean, frankly, it just wasn't in terms of, uh, of what he's capable of. Uh, he played 95 last year, 380 into 2020, which is approximately half a season. He played 769 in that great 2019 season. So 2019 and 2020, when he played, he was healthy um, and he was a hell of a player. Uh, everything we've seen from OTAs, from his interviews, seems to think he's ready to play ball again and, and uh, looks like a new man. Yeah, he certainly does. You saw those, um, uh, you know, that media availability that he took off uh, 10 to 12 pounds, looks lean. Um, and, you know, like you said, he was tremendous, especially in 2019. Um, but when you look at the injury, that gruesome injury he suffered, and then he had to turn around and have – uh, a second uh, cleanup procedure on in July of last year. So, I mean, 
at that point, we we probably shouldn't have been expecting much of anything from him uh, last year. You know, you probably say you were lucky to get the 94 snaps that you got from um, just based off of just how brutal that injury was. Mm. We would have been, I think maybe we would have been luckier to get zero based on, not, not, not yeah. based on how he played. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just right. mean in a sense of him coming back even, you know, healthier this year and it, us not having a lingering component of this. I mean, I'm glad he got back on, on the practice field, I guess, um, in, in terms of last year. Maybe that maybe that helped him, you know, recover some of those those connections between, you know, where his knee moves and how his, you know, understanding how his body works again. Uh, but uh, it it was tough to watch him like that. A lot of people don't realize what a fantastic receiver Nick Boyle was. And it's not apparent in the stats too much because I think he had 6.4 yards per target. And that might be, let me make sure I'm getting that right. Yeah, that's his career total right now. In 19 and 20, he was at 7.5 and 6.6. So a little bit above that. And 7.5, not terrible for a tight end, but not great either. Um, but he's a lot better than that. He's, he had a 110 passer rating when thrown to the last uh, in 19 and 20 a lot of people don't realize it could possibly be that good but only one interception on balls thrown to him there were 60 over that period um and he had four touchdowns i want to give you a point of comparison mark andrews last year now obviously the ravens offense entirely focused through mark andrews 92.5 passer rating throwing to him for the year. Now it's got some Huntley in there. Wow. So so that'll take it down. But they threw nine interceptions when they were targeting Andrews on the year. Wow. Yeah. He's a um Boyle is a very efficient pass catcher. And it's funny because there's another efficient pass catcher that I, I try to talk about a lot in the fantasy circle, and that's Gus Edwards, who, mm-hmm. you know, obviously sample size is what it is. But these are guys that are, are very talented, uh, efficient in, in the passing game, much more so than I think people realize. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I didn't know it until I saw it today. So I was I was really shocked by that because I, I, well, I said one, I saw 110 for Boyle and I said, OK, so a lot of that's Jackson and Jackson had a great year in 2019 in particular. And he, he missed a lot of 2020. So he actually I guess Boyle got a little bit. No, no, no never mind. Boyle wasn't affected not, not much by it anyway. Uh, but, but anyway, point I'm making is I wanted then a point of reference and I went to Andrews. And Andrews' first three years, he had tremendous pass ratings. Like one, I think it was 128 as a rookie. And he was right around 112 to 113, 114 in his next two years. But then last year it dropped off a little bit. So uh, his career rating is still uh, a little bit a little bit lower or about the same as Nick Boyle's 19 and 20 rating. So it'd be nice to see, you know, all the complaints we had, you know, be careful what you wish for about not throwing to the outside of the field in 2019, for example. I mean, I don't care if they were throwing pineapples to each other, do whatever they had to do, you know, to score. If you score 3.08 points per drive, there's nothing wrong with your offense. I don't, I don't right. care how you're running. You, if you think you can make it better, you might be right, but you're probably not. You know, yeah. <laughs> Greg Roman haters out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. A great blocker prior to the knee injury, obviously. Uh, he's now 29. What should we accept for, expect from him as a blocker this year? So I think there's two kind of thoughts on that. I think that he's so strong he's so fundamentally sound uh as a blocker that even if the athleticism doesn't come back to the level it was at 2019 
I think he's going to be a strong inline guy regardless. I think there's just too much of a base there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hope is that, you know, with the, the 10 to 12 pounds off of him, with him being further removed from the injury, uh, that he reaches kind of that 2019 level. And then you see the movement stuff that, that he was so great at in 2019. I mean, just a devastating um, movement blocker. Uh, so, you know, that's the hope is that, you know, he reaches that level. But I think there's enough of a base there that even if he's kind of a shell of himself, he's still going to be a quality inline um, blocker. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and you know, what encourages me about the weight loss is that um, there aren't that many really good blockers that can get to level two and level three, maintain a block for two to three seconds and do it while maintaining their feet. So linemen, when they get in, out in level two, level three, almost universally get lungy. Ronnie Stanley, pretty good exception, by the way, is a guy who could maintain a block in level two or three well, uh, even from the backside of a play sometime, which is which is really hard to do. But but tight ends, uh, the, the really good ones, when they get to level two or level three, Miles Boykin, also in this category, can maintain a block and uh, maintain their positional advantage by rotating relative to where the running back is behind them. Uh, where the runner is behind him, it could, could be a screen pass too, um, and and they maintain their feet, so they, they don't have to give it up. And and uh, having guys like that who can take care of a uh, certainly a safety or a corner, but even in in Boyle's case, probably a linebacker, uh, very very special to have that on your team. And and uh, it's not all about blocking, you know, being part of a double team on a defensive end or a defensive tackle, though that's also part of Boyle's game. It's about getting into level two and level three and making that block that turns a 10-yard run into a 30-yard run. Yeah, for sure. And you see a ton of that. And that's a good point you make about a lot of offensive alignment and, and maybe some other tight ends that aren't as skilled as blockers. You can almost see the defender anticipating the lunge, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're watching on film. And then, you know, you watch Boyle, and he's just out there just destroying guys <laughs> 10, 15 yards down the field. Like you say, he's not losing his feet. He's not losing uh, that strike zone. And he's, again, he's springing guys for bigger gains. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about this, and I'm, maybe, I, maybe I've got it, and maybe I don't, but I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Kerry. But if you're a safety coming up on a guard, say, who's pulled and hasn't found his target yet, OK, and so you almost I mean, a lot of the, your game as a safety is reading leverage and trying to figure out where people are going to be moving next. So you can try and read that guard's leverage and, and effectively euro step him as you're moving through that to create that launch. And, I, you know, just just thinking about that, it's it's a um, uh, who was the players thinking of before that this, this particularly applied to? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Again, I'm getting that age. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I think there is a there is a uh, uh, a, a way that Lyman. Uh, oh, I know it was. It was for Owe uh, that all he has to do is make a first move to make the tackle make the wrong move. So, so what I'm saying is, right. if you're the safety and you're the more athletic person, you're coming up on that guard who knows he's less athletic. Your first move creates an overreaction from him that you can, you know, that you can anticipate, you can read what his choice is going to be anyway, you can force him into that choice, and then you can get by. Right. Him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Glad I finally remember that. That sounded pretty, pretty <laughs> bad as we were going there. Uh, let's talk about goals for this year. What would be your goals for, for Dick Boyle? Uh, so goals to me would be, 
uh, that he returns um, to that. Um, and actually, you know what? I have a question first before we kind of get into, and I think this is kind of going to frame it. Um, what do you think as far as 12 personnel usage? Do you think they return to uh, 2019 uh, levels as far as 12? Because I think that's going to yeah. kind of frame things. Sure. Uh, I, I, you know, they did not play as much 13 in 2019 as people think they did, but when they did, it was really special. I think they're going to, if they're going to carry four tight ends and I think they're going to play a lot of that. Now, some of it is definitional in nature. So we, we might look at 12 at 13 personnel in particular and say, well, Isaiah likely is being split ride, a split ride wide as a flex slot guy. Um, and does that count as a tight end or not anymore? And I think of those four guys, I think we're going to see a ton of 12 and 13. I think we're going to see a lot of them on the field. I just think part of it is just the, the quality of the wide receiver group and the need to rotate those guys doesn't lend itself easily to playing lots of 11 personnel. So I think, you know, we, we could see 21 with two, with two receivers, uh, but I think we'll see tons of 12 actually. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was wondering what your thought process was of that because I um, um, I started kind of looking at the the snap break um, breakdowns with different personnel groups, and you know looking at it and like you said they have four tight ends on the roster now. I think they go right back to that 2019 mm-hmm. uh, usage, and for me, a good year for him uh, would be to be heavily involved in those packages. You know, reaching that um, that 2020 level at least as far as snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, retaining that um, blocking uh, prowess and, you know, hopefully um, having the, the, the athletic uh, limitations of last year kind of lifted and uh, being able to um, make those blocks on the move, do some of those things that make him so important to the DNA of this offense. Yeah, that's that, that's great. So that's you. That sounds like what a good year is. But those were all just goals you're saying. Yeah, okay. that's terrific. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've got health is the first goal for me. Uh, I, I don't I don't think there's anything more important than that for Nick Boyle. And, and I didn't want that to be the thing I use for every player. But in his case, it's it's really all there is, because a lot of the other things, Nick Boyle's 29 years old now. We're not looking for him to take some big step forward. He knows how to play football. He knows how to play that position at a very high level. He understands Roman's offense at a very high level. Uh, you know, he understands what the Ravens are trying to do. He understands how to how to play in front of Lamar Jackson and provide him with the clues he needs on on where to go block wise and where he's going to be as a receiver. I think he's shown both abilities in, in terms of that. So I'm not looking for a big step forward in terms of play. I'm really looking for him to be as high a percentage of possible as what he was in 19 and 20, which, you know, it would be, you know, I, I, I can't state it as a percentage in any kind of meaningful way, but if you're thinking about it kind of qualitatively and you want to use a quantitative percentage, if he could be 85 or 90% of what he was then, uh, that would be very valuable to the Ravens. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. If he can, like you said, if he can reach that level, because like you said, he knows the offense, we know what kind of player we're dealing with. He's just so unique and so um, it's a unique offense and he's very unique um, as a player. And so to reach that special level um, that, you know, reach going back to that 2019 level, you need the unique parts of the offense to be what they were. And maybe he's not a hundred percent what he was in 2019. Um, but it, it, if he offers um, 
the level of blocking that that he offered previously, maybe not at, quite at the same level, but just the versatility of the blocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't see guys that uh, just devastate people in line, on the move, in the backfield. That you know, it's just so uncommon that you see a combination of all those things. So, if he can reach eighty five percent of that, you know, we're talking about uh, you know a highly impactful player. It's really only the Ravens and the 49ers that I can think of that have this kind of an offense where you have really seven bigs you put on the field so regularly, including him and Ricard in on a lot of plays together, that uh, give you an unbelievable advantage blocking. And, uh, and, and, and that is so much more when you have a quarterback like Lamar who uh, you know, is the 11th offensive player when a right. lot of other teams are trying to run their play after the, after the ball's out to, with, with 10, against, uh, 10 against 11. All right, let's see. What else did I have? Uh, returns from injury, well, and, and the secondary factor was to, that he has to beat expected decline from age. That's part of returning to be a, a higher a higher percentage of the player he was. 2020 is two years ago. 2019 is three years ago. He's 29, and I hate to say it, but we most of us would love to be 29 again, certainly including <laughs> yes. me. But but uh, <laughs> but uh, 29 is past prime for a football player, and you know he's already begun his decline. And we're not asking him to take any forward step in terms of ability. It's all about being Matt Burke, you know, being that guy who doesn't lose much in his 30s as a player and still is extremely valuable. Marshall Yada, same kind of player there, too. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be vitally important. And, and hopefully the the um, that 12 um, pounds that he took off mm-hmm. is it, it, part of understanding that He's transitioning into a different phase, and so he has to do different things uh, to try to keep up and stay at that level. Um, You don't want to see him lose. And, and, you know, he's not a burner by any means, but after the catch, he's a guy that before, um, yeah, he wasn't beating guys to the edge, but he had enough speed and then he had enough power where he was running through tackles and picking up six, seven yard games. You want to see that retain. You know, you don't want want it to be a situation where – um, you, you're throwing it to him and it's, you know, two yards in the cloud of dust and he's falling because that, that, you know, obviously that takes value, value off of, off of the, the field when, when you have that. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. And, uh, uh, it's a great point in terms of, of, uh, losing the weight as a, as a means of understanding, you know, what may be going on there. I, I agree. I think, you know, first of all, for Boyle to have the kind of value that he had before to the Ravens. He's got to contribute something to the play-action passing game, not, not necessarily to much else. I've got one other component of the passing game I want him to contribute to, but play-action is the most important. Is What can he do? How can he find space? How can he create space? Uh, the other places it, that I want to see is on extended plays because he's been very good at that in the past. You know, The, the Ravens have a group of players, not all of whom are completely in sync with Lamar on an extended play. And Andrews and he have, have tremendous personal chemistry in that regard. Uh, Boyle's been around now for a while, and he's the kind of player who can be big, find space in the middle of the field. I think Charlie Kolar, by the way, could be that guy too. Yeah. Um, and I think Rashad Beaton is another guy who has to be that guy. Boy, I mean, he has to come in late. Um, Prochet has shown flashes at times also of being that guy. But effectively, 
Um, there are a set of rules you naturally follow as, and, and I'm going to use a simple example, Jackson rolling right because he'd do more more rolling right than rolling left as a right-handed quarterback. That, that'd be natural. And he'd be more dangerous rolling right as well. But when he rolls right, um, you, you go to the sideline at three different levels. And, and closest receiver goes to the sideline, I, I think just beyond the sticks or however the thing is, is, uh, is set. There's a rule for it. And then you'll often see a, a quarterback – making a throw right to the sideline under those circumstances. And it's usually a very tight window, and it's a toe-tap move a lot of times for the receiver right there. What Lamar likes to do more is break the rules and throw back to the middle of the field or even throw deep to an open spot on the field where he has a guy he trusts, usually Andrews, maybe somebody else, who will get to that spot. The guys, the, the, the big rule breaker is in the middle, and a lot of interceptions occur when you throw back across your body to the middle. Still, for Lamar Jackson, that's often the best place. He can do more with his body to turn it, and he can also be that extra half step ahead of a defender to get that ball off before he's hit, such that his throws back to the middle field are, are lower-risk throws. And you have to have receivers who are on, on schedule with that and going to that area of the field to make the play on that football, as opposed to going to the automatic place that they learned ever since they were probably 10 in, in peewee football, like learning where they're supposed to go when the quarterback rolls right. Yeah, that's a very good point. And one thing about Boyle, um, he's very, very um, adept at the catch point. You know, mm-hmm. he, he knows how to shield defenders. Um, that's something that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for. And when you look at a Lamar as a as a player, uh, I thought that in his draft class, he was the best um, kind of manipulator of the pocket uh, in that class. He's going to buy a lot of time mm-hmm. and it's going to be vitally important for these guys to to make those, those secondary movements, get to an open spot, like you say, in the middle of the field, uh, go up and be able to make a play. And Boyle is going to be part of that because, you know, you have uh, Bateman as the only really natural big body receiver of the receivers. And then you have Andrews. So naturally, um, Boyle is going to be that that second or third guy uh, that's going to be very important in, in that game. And then in the play action game, like you said, you know, these heavy packages, it has to be threatening from a from a passing standpoint mm-hmm. uh, to maximize the effectiveness of, of these packages. And, you know, the hope is that he's able to uh, retain as much of that level as you saw in 2019 and 2020 um, going forward, um, you know, just going to make the, those packages more dangerous. Yeah. I, 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 I love that as a, as a way to think of it is, is try and look at this from the linebackers perspective. If you try to understand why play action is so effective from the Baltimore Ravens is the linebackers basically, first of all, he, basically is taking about three amphetamine tablets right away in, tr- in dealing with Lamar Jackson. He's, 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 he's totally honed in on yeah. what Lamar is doing. And then Adderall, maybe that's the, maybe that's the tablet <laughs> I want. I'm not sure. <laughs> Never done any of this stuff. But, but, but anyway, uh, he, he's so hyped up on trying to figure out what Lamar is doing that he'll take an additional half or full read step, try to figure out what's happened at the mesh point. You know, what's Lamar doing with the football? And, and that time is the time a player like Boyle or Andrews is using to get into that space between level two and level three and find a nice, comfortable place to eat his sandwich and wait for the football. And I, I just, I, you know, his, the, the linebackers, difficulty in figuring out what's going on there with the mesh point is a lot of the heart of what, uh, 
what the Roman offense is, why the Roman offense is so successful with play action. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to be, uh, I, I can't understate it enough, like how uh, vitally important that's going to be. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they'll complain and they'll want more, um, you know, three wide receiver sets and all these mm-hmm. different things. I, I want to score points. At the end of the day, I want to score points. <laughs> <laughs> and this group and, you know, this personnel grouping and, and with the offensive line uh, being healthy and, 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 you know, coming back strong, these personnel groupings score points. And so, you know, the play action game, like you said, is just, it's really the foundation of it, you know, from a passing game standpoint is the the play action in those heavy uh, sets. And so if they can get that consistency from Boyle, they're going to get it from Andrews. If they can get it from Bateman, like you said, uh, you know, this is just going to be a difficult, difficult offense to stop. Yeah. I mean, it certainly it certainly was in in nineteen, and it was for most of twenty as well. It was a good offense in two thousand twenty. I want just something in between there. If if they could get back up to about two point seven points per drive, they're at three point oh eight in two thousand nineteen. It was the most one of the most efficient offenses of all time, fifth in terms of points per drive. If they could get back to two point seven, they'd be in the top five in the NFL. And this defense would be able to lean on opposing offenses with the lead. And I think that's that's pretty much, you know, a, a, a way it would take. Another way I think you look at this is the end of the half. I love this team. The end of either half, I love them. But I really love them because Jackson has proven his ability to move right down the field uh, at the end of a half using, using receivers that are modestly uh, talented only. And uh, and we saw that in 19. We saw it in 20 again. Uh, we certainly saw it at times during 21, particularly early in the season. But other teams, if if you are basically on the field against the Baltimore Ravens defense at the end of the half, they can set up and dime or even quarter right off the bat. They don't have to have any of the inside linebackers on the field. They present an unbelievable coverage mountain for that uh, that opposing offense to climb. And I love this team at the end of the half and end of the game in, in obvious passing situations. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. And I think that, that if you're looking for where the Ravens would have a lot of advantage, that end of the first half will help them build some of the leads that will make them become even that much more imposing in the second half. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You can see that. And it's so funny how how important Nick Boyle is to that. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is watch, um, you know, all 22 of this past year and then go look at 2019 and 2020 some, and you see how, uh, how many good plays that he's affecting, um, you know, both in the passing game and, and in the running game, just how he is springing guys for um, bigger gains and how he's being a threat in, in, in the play action game. And so, uh, you know, bringing it back to him, if you can just get that impactful, if you can get that 80, 85 percent of what he was in 2019, it, it's just going to be monumental for this offense. I mean, it, it, and it doesn't seem like that. You got a 29 year old coming off a huge knee injury. But, you know, again, this is just a unique offense, unique situation. And so, you know, it, it, he, he just, you know, a really, really important guy. Yeah. I mean, there are certainly people who will say Boyle's not that important. And the sad fact of life is they might be right about the 2022 season that Boyle might come back and not be the player the Ravens need him to be. But I hope they won't use that as an I told you so. I hope they'll look at 2019 and really look at 
just how great a player was. By the way, 133 passer rating throwing to Nick Boyle in 2019. So uh, hard to hard to really top that. All right. Uh, I think I've gone through all my goals. Can I go to good and great? I uh, might have lost Kerry. That would be a shame, but he'll probably come back if uh, if uh, pretty pretty good chance he comes back. Well, let me go ahead with good and great anyway. Uh, the first is good is that he starts regularly in key inline and motion roles. And the Ravens offense takes a step forward, or maybe I mean backward in this case in time, towards 2019. Sometime between that 2019 and 2020 season in terms of, of the efficiency in points per drive. Uh, and I think it's real important that, that Boyle is used in a lot of different ways. He's not just used in, in line. He's used in motion. So they, they set him up uh, in, in a way we've seen Patrick Ricard used a lot, where he motions into the center of the line and then can make a block there. Uh, he also can take a he can can run a pattern off that, so that can, it can be part of that play action game. Is is him actually looking like this is making it look like a run play by motioning in the middle of the line and then running off that left or right edge uh, to catch a short pass. Anyway, those are uh, those are both options. But uh, that's my good year for Nick Boyle. I'm not expecting a lot. I want him to uh, you know contribute to an offense that at least makes it part of the way back. Uh, from where they were uh, and and uh, be able to start regularly this year is probably the most important in terms of health. We don't have carry back here, I see. So I'm just going to go ahead with a great year and say he's lost only a little from his peak. And again, I'm not expecting him to be 100 percent of the player he was in 2019. Uh, that would be terrific if he if he was. But I think that's probably unrealistic. So we'll expect some some modest uh surrenders concessions made to, to both age and the uh, recovery from the injury uh, that, that might make him be uh, less of a player, uh, but that he's still able to contri- con- uh, contribute to a return to the run-heavy scheme that was so efficient for the Ravens in 2019 and for which opponents really had no answer. Uh, and I think the other thing I really want to see in a great season is that he returns to be um, efficient in terms of a secondary receiver, meaning uh, he, he's uh, he's not usually going to be the primary, but he's but he might be a secondary uh, or or even third read, and that also he's very important on extended plays. That he sometimes will release late after being a pass protector, part of a six man pass protection scheme, on an extended play, and he might release and uh, be available for a chain moving first down play uh, under those circumstances. So both good uses for Nick Boyle. We're not expecting him to drive all the way down the seam the way Mark Andrews does. It just doesn't have to be his role in this offense with three other tight ends who can really do that. Uh, he needs to be more of a chain mover with, with with what he does. He needs to certainly prevent opposing interceptions. So that's a great year for Nick Boyle for me. And I uh, uh, really appreciate having Kerry Stevenson here. And I'm going to have to say goodbye for him because uh, he dropped off the, the, the call here uh, accidentally, I'm sure. And uh, terrific talking football with Kerry. You can catch him on uh, the Fire Zone uh, and Deep Cover. Uh, please give, give them a chance. And uh, if you're out there and you want to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Uh, I always have them open. And you can uh, uh, send me one there. Any kind of narrow idea that we can get to in about 25 or 30 minutes is perfect. I'll get back to you very quickly, and we'll have you on air uh, very soon. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Film Study.
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.